talked about a lot of quality films thus far throughout Glay Cinema's history. Works spanning through various genres, movements, methods, and time periods. Today, though, we're dipping our toes into something new, and from a country we haven't yet visited. We're exploring a director I discovered almost by accident, who is effortlessly original. It's an effort from the 1980s, and one that feels just as fresh today as I'm sure it did back then. It's a movie that is steeped in dry humor, drenched in irony, and all to a soundtrack of polka music by a visionary from Finland. So if you're like me, and you enjoy film and the impact and emotions they convey, Grab a glass of your preferred liquid and join me for the next little while. For me, that's a glass of bourbon from our friends at Buffalo Trace in Kentucky. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about the love of film. Welcome to Glazed Cinema. today opens in a rather conspicuous way, as the first thing we see is a yellow metal staircase set against a cold gray cement wall and floor. The sound of a deep whistle of wind can be heard permeating from below in the emptiness. Soon faint footsteps are heard, and as they grow louder, we see two men emerge from the unseen lower level as an alarm begins to sound. As they turn to continue upward, the ladder of the men becomes fully visible and turns off the lights below as our film's name flashes in red font. As they reach the top of the staircase, we see several other men huddled around one man on his knees, twisting an explosive device until a loud boom can be heard from the bellows below. One by one, the men turn and begin walking toward a large opening, emanating daylight into the darkness. As quickly as they emerge into the snow-covered outside, we soon see a parade of cars leave the coal mine plant behind as the doors behind them close for the final time. Shortly after that, in a diner, and to the dulcet tones of Finnish polka, the two men, father and son, discuss their next steps. 
In that conversation, the father urges his son, Tysto, our main character, to go to the city for work and gives him the keys to his car. Shortly afterward, the older gentleman proceeds to go into the bathroom and, through his own actions, never re-emerges. Tysto then goes to retrieve the car from his father's home, which is parked in a small shack-like garage. And we see that the car he has received is a convertible, and the top is down. As the vehicle pulls away in the winter landscape, the garage collapses behind it in the absence of what once was, as Tysto leaves the life he knew for a new one in the city. Heeding his father's advice, Tysto ventures to Helsinki in search for work, and there he meets a meter maid named Armeli. After some brief flirting, she throws away her tickets, and they ride off together back to her place. But just as things are starting to look up for Tysto, more hardships will soon arrive, testing his limits. And they will involve prison, a large wooden mallet, and an ocean liner. Ariel is directed by Aki Kurismaki, one of the best handles in cinematic history, and is a wonderful mix of dry humor, melancholy, irony, and just plain bad luck. One thing I really enjoy about Kurismaki is that the majority of his films, including our subject today, feel very real and tangible. With the Finnish director's works, you'll find things that you won't find out of efforts from other filmmakers. One of the reasons why this is has to do with him embracing the characters as they are. We see their clumsiness, awkwardness, and their unsureness. Gone is the perfection we see time again in Hollywood. Here we see people for how people are, and I love it so much. The humor of his films echoes the humor of the man himself. If you've heard or read interviews with him, he has a muted humor himself that makes me giggle, and the same is true with his movies. This one very much included. Ariel follows a man named Tysto, played by Toro Pajala, based within a small town in northern Finland. Ariel is one-third of Cory Smaki's Proletariat Trilogy. If you're unfamiliar with that word, proletariat means working class. And within the three films, we follow three very different people through events of their lives. The three films are non-linear, and at surface level, don't seem to have any ties. But there are common themes which connect them. Revealing one of them, though, I would consider a spoiler of Ariel, so I will refrain from doing so. But within those three films, 
you follow three very different folks with three very different backgrounds. In the first film, we follow a garbage man. In the second, which is our effort today, we follow an ex-coal miner. And in the third, we follow a woman who works in a match factory. All the three efforts have the same bit of humor, seriousness, and overall tone that Ariel possesses. And it's that tone which made me fall in love with Corey Smocky's vision and delivery in all of his movies. Now, the man we follow throughout this film, Tysto, seems to be inflicted by bad luck. Even if not afflicted himself, it seems the people around him are also affected by it. If you've heard the phrase, misery loves company, it's kind of like that, but in misery's place lies misfortune. Despite this, the movie is extremely well-balanced, playing into the darkly comic plot. Within the film itself, there are three characters that we follow. The first is Tysto, we've already talked about, and Turo Turo Pajala does a great job playing him with a calm seriousness. There's also the female lead, Hermeli, played by Susanna Havisto, who does equally well matching that same energy, but injecting the tiniest bit of playful energy, which is leveled off by her indifference. Then there's also Mikanen, played by Maddie Pelinpa. And, well, I'll get to Mikanen in just a little bit. There is a romance injected into the plot, also between Ermeli and Tysto. But it, too, is non-emotive a lot of the time. Now, that does not mean that there's no emotion or feeling between the two. It's just a bit muted, but still apparent. In fact, that's one thing there isn't a lot of here. And I guess you could say the same for a lot of Cory Smocky's projects, which is emotive energy. Each performer delivers with a hushed sense about everything, almost as if Stephen Wright was helping to write the the dialogue and less of the delivery. There's nothing extra here, no fluff. It's as it was tended to be, and it's absolutely beautiful. Now I teased it, and here we are. The star of this movie, at least for me, is Corey Smocky's regular, Maddie Bowen Pa. Here he plays Mikanen, who is an interesting character of very few words. We first meet him when Tysto is put in a cell with him after entering prison. The two men are unsure of each other at first. I mean, who wouldn't be? First time you meet somebody in a prison cell, I'd probably be aware of the other as well. But they don't say anything to each other. They just 
stare, observing the other's counterpart. Mikkanen is sitting at a table, with one hand holding a cigarette and the other gripping hand crunchers. As he puts a cigarette out in the ashtray, he slides on his dark-rimmed glasses to get a better look at his new cellmate. Soon, the silence breaks as Mikkanen holds up his hand holding the hand crunchers to Taisto and begins squeezing them in a peculiar way, as if using them to speak. I love Pelompa and everything I've seen him in, and love his delivery and acting style. For me, he has a magnetism that can't be denied. He steals almost every scene he's in, whether that's a Corey Smocky effort, a Jarmusch effort, or something completely different. I mention Jarmusch, by the way, mainly because if you've never seen a Corey Smocky film but you're familiar with Jim Jarmusch, he has a movie called Night on Earth, and in that, Pelanpa plays a taxi driver in Helsinki, and he does a fantastic job in that effort as well. Ariel was released in 1988 in its home country of Finland, but didn't make it all the way over the ocean to the States until 1990. And crazily enough, Corey Smocky wrote the entire script in just a matter of days, but it feels quite the opposite when viewing the final product. In terms of how I discovered this movie, I truly stumbled upon this one, and Corey Smocky, but I'm so glad I did. I actually bought the Proletariat Trilogy that I mentioned earlier in the episode after reading about it and watched the first movie titled Shadows in Paradise, and I absolutely adored it. It was my first exposure to Corey Smocky, Finnish Cinema, and Pelanpa. When I moved to the next film in the series, though, our subject today, it somehow got even better. I was really taken by this unique voice and enjoyed the stories he was telling and how he orchestrated the events that were unfurling. And with Ariel, there's just something awesome about it. It's got a great mix of a lot of things. It's tragic, it's funny, it's dark, it's oddly romantic, and everything just fits so nice together. It's pretty satisfying. Now, one of the things that stuck with me about this movie the most was the irony that just oozes through a lot of the scenes. As an example, when Taisto gets to Helsinki, he really struggles to find a job, despite applying to a lot of places that are hiring. The only luck he has is down at the docks, where he helps to load cargo onto ships. But this is all under-the-table work, as he selected, almost like you see in On the Waterfront, a previous episode that we talked about in Season 2. While he struggles to find steady jobs, though, 
his girlfriend, Armelli, has so many jobs that as more are revealed, it becomes quite comical. There's also a running bit within the movie revolving around that convertible's top, as Taisto cannot seem to figure out how to put the top down. We see him in several instances, trying to pull, trying to push, trying to force the top to go up, but he just cannot figure it out. Throughout the whole movie, the car is his sanctuary, yet he's freezing in it because he has no reprieve from the outside elements. We see him driving and doing everything he can to stay warm, including driving with a babushka around his head as he has the top down in the Finnish winter. The bit ends in one of the greatest scenes of the movie, which to me embodies the pinnacle of dry, dark humor. It's pure gold, and I so wish I could say more, as I love the scene in question so much. But our spoiler-free beliefs make this an impossibility. So you'll just have to trust me, it's pretty fantastic. If you're interested in watching something new and different, try Aki Korismaki's Ariel. It's got a lot of meat on the bone within its 72 minute duration, and in my opinion, is one of the director's best efforts. You'll find a lot here to keep you interested and some great moments to beckon you back for more. I could keep talking about this movie and why you should watch, but better yet, you should watch Ariel for yourself and you can experience all of its splendor on your own. If you'd like to watch Ariel for yourself, you can find it which I think is exclusively on the Criterion channel. The Criterion channel is a streaming service with tremendous value for any current or burgeoning film fan from our friends at the Criterion Collection. Criterion Collection offers a lot of great movies and pricing tiers include $10.99 per month or $99 per year, which is what I chose to do. This episode was written and recorded by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin McLeod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Each week, there will be new content, including hints about episodes before they air. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit our website at glazedcinema.com. There you'll find more info about the show and a place to submit ideas for future episodes. For film fans who are hearing impaired, the blog page on our website features each episode in written form as well. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with another beverage and another fine film on Glazed Cinema. Cinema.